You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Michigan is at a pretty critical point for its ability to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. For weeks, the state has been moving in the wrong direction when it comes to new daily cases. Social media feeds are still littered with images of young people packing together in small spaces like bars and party buses without wearing masks or adhering to the social distancing that we know stops the spread of the disease. In response, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has slowed the state's gradual reopening process, and she's put stricter measures in place to make sure people are wearing masks when they're in public. But the governor says that's not the only public health crisis that Michigan faces right now. Yesterday, Whitmer declared racism a public health crisis as well. Here to talk about all of that is Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor, welcome back to Detroit Today. Glad to be with you. All right, let's start with your declaration of racism as a public health crisis. Under this executive directive, you are asking MDHHS to make health equity a major goal. What action should we expect to see from this directive and what kind of results should we expect? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that COVID-19 has really held up a mirror to our country. And certainly we've been we've been very informed and and working toward this as a state. You know, the racial disparities task force that we created around COVID was driven by the fact that Michigan was the first state in the nation, one of the first three anyway, to acknowledge that there is a demographic uh, data that tells us COVID-19 poses a unique risk to communities of color and the African-American community in particular. And, you know, I don't know that we would have been in a position to recognize that if we didn't have Dr. Janae Caldoun at the table, you know, our our chief medical executive, who also happens to be an African-American emergency room doc, who was looking at it and saying, we've got to, we've got to highlight this and talk about it and tackle it and inform people. And that's really, I think, the, the start of what is going to be a much bigger agenda of ensuring that we have real equity as we make decisions in state government, as we prioritize um, our, our resources, as we uh, come to get our arms around the real disparate impact that this disease has highlighted. It's historical inequities, and we've got to have a, a, a group at the table that is really driving this agenda. It can't be a moment during a pandemic that we say this is an issue. It has to really be an agenda coming out of it, and that's part of what all of this is really geared toward. So the Black Leadership Advisory Council that uh, you're creating with this is the first uh, of its kind in Michigan to elevate black leaders and, and representatives to that level. But again, what should Michiganders of color expect in terms of tangible policy that are going to affect, that's going to affect their lives coming from a group like this? Well, I think that there are so many examples of inequities in the experience of African American, you know, uh, residents of Michigan, and 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 historically what we've seen. So, what we wanted to do was to really have some science and heft behind it, um, so that people who who maybe aren't as aware, who maybe don't understand the issues, can really have the the chance to to see the work, to see the thought process, to see the science behind it, and to really dig in and for all of us to embrace an agenda that that makes a meaningful difference. You know, part of the training that we're doing at the state level is implicit bias training. Mm-hmm. And some people have reacted just to that phrase without really understanding what it means. They, they feel as though they're being called racist. And I, I want to tackle that immediately. 
every one of us has implicit bias. Implicit means you don't even know it's there. And and bias means you're making judgments every day, all day long. Um, I I encourage people to think about when you hear someone with a thick southern accent, what, what assumptions do you make about them? You make assumptions about their upbringing or you make assumptions about their intellect. That's an implicit bias. And just recognizing that we make those judgments will help us to ensure that our actions don't reflect a a bias that we hold internally that maybe we didn't even know about. And that's really what is a part of the importance of this this more all-encompassing work that needs to be done as a state. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the COVID response that uh, that you're still having to to manage every day. What we're seeing in a lot of individual school districts around the country, people deciding that in school in person school just not going to work this fall. It's too early. Things are still just not under thumb the way they should be. How closely are you watching that, and and are you getting maybe to the point where you have to make a statewide decision about schools for fall the way you did for schools last spring? I appreciate the question. You know, as a parent with a child in public schools and another that is supposed to be a rising freshman on one of our campuses and who is still planning to attend, um, I'm watching it very closely. Uh, you know, obviously, that's my personal side, but if, as governor, this is something that I um, think about all day, every single day. And I'm talking with my fellow governors about it. You know, we've got hundreds of school districts in Michigan, and districts have different challenges and different assets. Um, for, you know, to be able to navigate this, we've given them kind of a, a, a path um, with real guardrails. If a region is in phase three of the My Safe Start reengagement, there will be distance learning. It will be unsafe because there's too much COVID-19 present mm-hmm. to resume in-person instruction. If a region's in phase four, there are you know some strict protocols and and serious guardrails so that we reengage safely. And if they're in region, if they're in phase five, um, they've got a little more discretion. But school boards and superintendents are at the front line and have a better assessment of their assets and and their challenges and need to be making these plans for these various phases. Now, if we see COVID continue to increase in Michigan, we, as Dr. Jay pointed out yesterday, we're kind of at a plateau. We're at a high plateau, but it is a plateau. It's better than an increase. But if we see an increase start to start start to shape up or continue, we may have to move back a region and that would dictate distance learning. And that's why our districts have to have plans for each of these phases. But I am concerned. You see what's gone on in Mississippi and in Georgia, Mm -hmm. where they resumed when they had cases increasing. It is, it doesn't work. And you've seen it around around the world, places that have resumed successfully. It's when they have less than 10 cases per million per day. Um, that they've been successful. And that's why our numbers right now are, are concerningly high. And we've got to push that curve down if we're going to do this and, and do it safely. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we are reopening casinos here in Detroit, which is a key financial decision for the city's budget. You had some strong limits on bars and restaurants and other businesses before those reopened. And now those are becoming the site of super spreading events. How can you ensure that that same thing doesn't happen in the casinos here in the city? So ensuring is impossible with a disease like this, but we can make very educated judgments and move forward with to mitigate risk. And what we have seen in gaming in Michigan 
is our Native American casinos have been open. Uh, they have adopted very strict protocols, and they've not seen super spreader events like we see in bars. Bars we know across the nation have been a place where we've seen spread of COVID, um, exponential spread of COVID, and, and that's why we know they're inherently risky. In terms of casinos, we've seen some success. Now, reopening at 15%, not even 50%, 15% with the Gaming Control Board um, on premises and, and making sure that this is done right, we think we can do this um, in, a, in a safe manner. However, if uh, the numbers show that that's not the case, we'll take a step back. And I think that's part of the the novel nature of this virus mm. is that there are a lot of things we are learning every single day. Um, and the, we're making judgments based on the best information available at any given moment. We're getting smarter, um, but we still don't have a vaccine or a cure. And that's why being prudent and wearing masks is really our remains our best weapon against a virus that is that is downright deadly and insidious and and silent yeah uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you about uh, new rules that were announced at uh, the press conferences that you that you've been holding pretty frequently. Members of the Capitol press Corps have been pretty critical of a move that says they've got to submit their questions ahead of time in order to be called on uh where, where does this where does this come from it's a it's a strange it's a strange policy i gotta say it's, it's actually that's it's totally inaccurate <laughs> we didn't require people to submit their questions before so that we could determine who would be called on they asked that they put them in writing in the event that the system went down this is the first time we've used a zoom system for questions and my team was very nervous that the whole system might go down and that would infuriate the press because they wouldn't be able to ask any questions. And <laughs> right. So we wanted to have, have a backup. And so that's really what was driving it. The system worked. We won't have to ask that going forward because we have now have confidence in the system. But we just wanted to make sure that the press had the opportunity to ask questions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Governor Gretchen Whitmer, great to have you here on the program. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, Stephen. Stay safe. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our WDET Book Club discussions with Sarah M. Broom, the author of The Yellow House, a 2019 National Book Award winner and New York Times bestseller. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <laughs> 